0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Man, God is so good. I really enjoyed the testimony that Brother Joe and Sister Johnny gave uh, in first service. Again, if you weren't here, you missed it, of just God's miraculous power of, one, providing and uh, getting Brother Joe's phone back and how the Lord used Sister Johnny mightily to witness unto that young man and that young lady. And that really is what the the work of God is about. It's about reaching the lost, about helping those that are hurting and turning them unto Christ. And today, the message I'm going to be preaching is uh, somewhat along those lines as to what uh, the church is about and what we have in Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 20, uh, Psalm 73, and we'll be reading verses 25 and 26. Psalms 73, verses 25 and 26. And I also have to give honor to the Lord for uh, keeping me safe and protecting me. I've done a lot of traveling over the last week, going back and forth from... Milwaukee to Michigan, and the Lord has kept me from accidents and has kept me from all sorts of dangers, and I'm just so grateful for His His keeping power. Amen. When you get to Psalm 73, say Amen. amen. Psalm 73, verse 25 says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Today I want to preach to you a message simply entitled, The Lord is My Portion. And that that may not hit you very much at first, but I I believe it's going to hit you different when this is over. And I'm just going to forewarn you um, this, this message is kind of like uh, riding an airplane. At, uh, you know when you, you, you get on the airplane, you've got to buckle up and you know, get the stow your carry-on and everyone's got to get seated and then you're, you're on the runway and you're just sitting there for a minute and then you're kind of, you're taxiing a little bit on the runway and you're just slowly just moving along and then suddenly it just, it just there's a burst of acceleration and you're just flying, you're off. This message is going to be like that. So just bear with me as we sit on the runway for a little bit as I, I lay some groundwork, okay? Uh, And what the Lord has given me, hopefully this will uh, bless you as much as it has blessed me and uh, that someone's going to be greatly impacted by the word of God. Let us pray today. Father, we thank you. We love you. God, we worship you. We commend the outcome of this message into your very capable hands. We speak in the name of Jesus that I pray that the church would receive, oh God the portion, the allotment, the part, the inheritance that you have given for them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, let someone be touched, let someone be born again. God, impact their hearts, their lives, oh Jesus. Use me only as you can. I'm but flesh, I'm only but clay, oh God. Use me, Lord Jesus, to speak with clarity and with power. Use me, oh God, to bless your house. Have your way in me and through me. Let me be a vessel through which you may flow through, a conduit through which your spirit may flow. God, we love you, we bless you, we worship you, and in Jesus' name, let the church living God say amen. You may be seated. The word portion here in the text that we just read comes from the Hebrew word chelek It literally can be translated portion as it is in this text, but it also can mean part, inheritance, one's possession, one's share, tract, or award. Talking about portions, inheritance. And this idea of portions and inheritance is something that we see throughout the narrative of Scripture. That throughout the narrative of scripture, as one uh, uh, generation passes information and in their property into another, that we see this idea of portions of their inheritance. And there are two groups of people that I want to talk to you about today in relation to the topic of uh, uh, inheritance and in one's portion. And they are on two completely opposite positions in relation to receiving an inheritance. The first group is entitled to receive the largest portion, while the second doesn't have any portion of inheritance at all. The first group that benefited the most when we talk about portions and inheritance, that's something that uh, my father and my mother might have had and that's passing on. The group that benefited the most from the portion or from the inheritance was the firstborn. The firstborn. Look with Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21 and look at verse number 15. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse number 15. And this was uh, the law of Moses addressing a particular issue in relation to inheritance. Deuteronomy 21, verse 15. If a man had two wives, one beloved and another hated, and they have borne him children, both the beloved and the hated. And if the firstborn son be hers that was hated, then it shall be when he maketh his sons to inherit Inherit that which he hath, that he may not make the son of the beloved firstborn before the son of the hated, which is indeed the firstborn. now this one I want to, want to focus on in verse 17. But he shall acknowledge the son of the hated for the, for the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath, for he is the beginning of his strength, the right of the firstborn. Is his. So if you're the firstborn in the family, when it came to the dividing of inheritance, came to the allotting of property and, and goods that your father owned, if you were the firstborn, you got twice as much as as your siblings did. So when it came to the inheritance, the firstborn was very much um uh he was very much in tune with the inheritance, very much in tune with the portion, and he was very much looking forward forward to receiving the double portion from his father. The other thing is that the firstborn got is they also received judicial authority from their father. An example of this is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 3, when the Bible is talking about Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel. 2 Chronicles 21, verse 3 says, And their father gave them Uh, "...gave him great gifts of silver and of gold and of precious things, with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom gave he to Jehoram, because he was the firstborn." The firstborn got the inheritance if you were uh, in a monarchy. They, of course, were the one that were next in line to receive the dominion and the power and the d- judicial authority in that family. They were the ones that made judicial assi- uh, 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 decisions in regards to the family and, of course, in the kingdom. Now, here's where things get bizarre because we have the firstborn here that he is the one who is- receives the double portion. He's the one that receives the inheritance. But strangely enough, throughout Scripture... We see a pattern with the firstborn, either that they did not receive the inheritance due to some circumstance, or they lost it due to a poor choice or a stupid decision. What you're going to see throughout the narrative of Scripture, that the firstborn, even though he was supposed to see the most, often didn't receive his portion or receive his inheritance at all. Let's look at some examples. For example, Abraham's firstborn did not receive the inheritance. Abraham's firstborn was Ishmael. Ishmael was kicked out of the family, and instead his younger brother Isaac was the one who received the inheritance. Then you look at Isaac's firstborn, Esau. He did not receive the inheritance. As a matter of fact, he gave up his birthright to receive the double portion, and he lost his blessing as well. So he lost his portion, his inheritance. Then you look at the one who did receive it was Jacob. Jacob is the one who got the birthright, and he was the one that got the, got the blessing, but he was the younger. Then you look at Jacob's family. Jacob's firstborn did not receive inheritance. His firstborn was named Reuben. Instead, it was his, one of his younger sons, Joseph. 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1 says this, Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel... For he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given unto the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. For Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler, but the birthright was Joseph's. So Reuben lost his birthright because he did some sin in his life, and he was disinherited. What's interesting is Joseph's firstborn didn't receive the firstborn inheritance. His firstborn was named Manasseh, and he did not receive the blessing, but instead his younger brother Ephraim did. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 48, verse 17. This is at the end of Jacob's life. He's getting ready to die, and he's, he calls Joseph's sons because he wants to bless him. So he's, he's leaning on his bed, He sits up in his bed, he brings Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to come and to be blessed. And look at this, Jacob goes to lay his hands on the sons, the two sons are standing before him. But instead of laying his right hand on the firstborn, which is the hand of blessing, he puts it on Ephraim, who's the younger. Genesis 48, verse 17. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. So we are seeing here throughout scripture that the firstborn, the person who was supposed to receive the double portion, the greatest portion, the inheritance, often was disinherited. And you can keep on going. You go through the story, the, the narrative of scripture, you'll see that. Looking at Jesse, Jesse had seven sons, but Jesse's firstborn didn't get it. It was his youngest son, David. That got it. David's firstborn didn't get it either. Amnon. Instead, he was killed by Absalom. Instead, his younger son Solomon was the one who inherited. You will see throughout Scripture that the firstborn was disinherited. He had the right to receive the greatest portion, but he was constantly being subverted and being uh, removed out of place so that he could not... Receive his inheritance. And just like the firstborns of the scripture, many believers, we have an inheritance. We have a portion that is in God. And the fact of the matter is God has provided this for us. But many of us are not receiving our portion that is found in Christ Jesus. Because the devil is doing everything he can to thwart and to subvert God's will from being accomplished in your life. And so the people of God are not able to rise to prominence and to walk in all that God has for them. If you are born again, then you have an inheritance. You have a portion that is found in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.29 says that, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The inheritance that God has allotted to you is eternal life, is salvation, and the devil is doing everything he can to disinherit you. Titus chapter 3, verse 7, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. You need to get very protective about your inheritance that's in Christ Jesus. You need to understand that the enemy goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, you, testing you, trying to subvert God's will from in your life. You need to protect your inheritance. Now, the second group that has a relation to the portion to the inheritance but oddly enough they received no inheritance was a group of people called the Levites. The Levites were a tribe in the nation of Israel and Everyone got an inheritance, got a portion, except Levi. Look at this. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 10, and look at verse number 7. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 7. I hope you guys brought your thinking cast, i going to make you think today. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 7. From thence they journeyed from Gudgoda, and from Gudgoda to Jot- Jotbath, a land of rivers of waters. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord to stand before the Lord to minister unto him and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part. And the Hebrew word there for part is kelech. It's the same word that's used in Psalm 73, talk when, when the writer's saying that the Lord is my portion. So it says, Levi hath no part or no portion nor inheritance with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance according as the Lord thy God promised him. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 1 says, "...the priests, the Levites, and all the tribe of Levites shall have no part, no helek, nor inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the offerings of the Lord made by fire and his inheritance. Therefore shall they have no inheritance among their brethren." The Lord is their inheritance, as he had said unto him. Now, the Hebrew word there for inheritance is nachalah, which means inheritance, heritage, possession, property, portion, or share. These words are used interchangeably and are often coupled together whenever we're talking about the portion or talking about the inheritance. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is this. Is what was the inheritance for the nation of Israel? The inheritance was the land of Canaan, which had been promised to Abraham. The land was their inheritance. Every tribe had a portion of that land except the tribe of Levi. They received no portion of inher- or inheritance, which means they had no land. So each tribe, when they conquered the promised land, each tribe was given a tract of land based upon their population, their size, was given a territory and says, this land is specifically for your family. The Levites had no portion or had no inheritance. They had no land. They were given none. The Lord said they shall have no inheritance. The Levites received no portion of the Israelites' inheritance, but instead God was their portion, and he was their inheritance. Now, what does that mean? God is my portion. God is my inheritance. This is the question or the statement that the writer in our main text raises, and I'm going to do my best to break it down, what it means when the Lord is your inheritance. Firstly, it meant getting a percentage of what the other tribes produced or owned. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 18, verse 21. I know we're still on the runway. We're still taxing. We're getting there. Just wait. It's coming. You're like, where where is he going with this? Just wait. Numbers 18, verse 21. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle, Of the congregation. So the Levites got a tenth or 10% of all the crops and cattle used for offerings whenever the the children of Israel came to worship at the tabernacle. Because the Levites didn't own territory or land, they had no means to fully sustain themselves or accumulate wealth. In order to sustain yourself, you need land to grow crops, to have herds. The Levites weren't given that. Now, of course, the Levites had somewhere to live. They were given six cities to live in and some, some very small tracts of land to have some cattle there. But they didn't really have very much. And their primary means of sustenance was going to come through the offerings of the other tribes of Israel. They had no inheritance. They had no means of accumulating wealth. Even look at that today. That the ownership of property is one of the best ways to accumulate wealth. You look what has happened even this year with the whole housing crisis, where housing markets just went through the roof and everyone's trying to own a house. Why? Because that's how you accumulate wealth. That's how you build equity. And the fact of the matter is, the Levites had no land. They had no means of accumulating wealth. The only way that they could be sustained primarily was through the offerings or the charity of others. They had to depend on the charity of the other tribes. And the thing is, this was so necessary that God commanded the other tribes to be sure you take care of the Levites because they have no inheritance. They got no portion. Deuteronomy 12, verse 19 says, Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou livest upon them. Don't forget about the Levites because they can't can't get money like you can. They can't accumulate wealth like you guys can. They, They don't have crops. They don't have lots of cattle. They don't have all that stuff. Be sure not to forget the Levite. Look at Deuteronomy 14, verse 27. Deuteronomy 14, 27. God had ordained a particular time of the year, every three years, that everyone was supposed to give something for the Levite. Deuteronomy 14, verse 27. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. And at the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all of the tithe of thine increase of the same year, and shall lay it up within the gate, thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. Now I want you to pay close attention here. Look what it says here. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gate, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. So I want you to understand what's being said here. Socioeconomically speaking, the Levites were in the same category as orphans, as widows, and strangers, which means foreigners, people who didn't have any inher- inheritance, people who were helpless and dependent on the charity of others. Levi's from the same category as someone who's lost their parents and may have potentially even lost their land and all their, their goods, no property, or a widow who's lost her husband. And you have to understand that they were a patriarchal uh, society, which meant that the inheritance, the property or goods were kept by a man. If the man wasn't there then it was lost. It was sold or given to another. And a kinsman redeemer another male relative had to go and purchase that back. So the only way that a widow could survive was by the charity of others or finding some sort of kinsman. A good example of this is the book of Ruth where we have Ruth and also Naomi who had to go and find Boaz to try and redeem the land. They were completely helpless. The Levite is mentioned in the same category as these guys are. You understand how devastating it was for not to have an inheritance? They were completely dependent upon the charity of others. Numbers 3.11. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because you'd think that as a Levite, God has chosen me. God has separated me for a specific service in the tabernacle. Right? So I ought to get the most, right? I ought to be blessed when I get saved. I ought to be blessed and then get all you know, peaches and cream, everything's great. Right? Now I want to show you something here because this almost is like a slap in the face to the Levite. Look at Numbers 3:11. And the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn. That openeth the matrix among the children of Israel. Therefore the Levites shall be mine. Because all the firstborn are mine For on the day that I smote all the firstborn In the land of Egypt I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel Both man and beast Mine shall they be I am the Lord Now look at verse 44 of Numbers chapter 3 of the same chapter, verse 44 And the Lord spake unto Moses saying Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn Among the children of Israel And the cattle of the Levites Instead of their cattle And the Levites shall be mine I am the Lord So the Lord is calling them his firstborn and if you remember, the firstborn is supposed to get double. But as we've seen in Scripture, the firstborn often doesn't get anything. And as we see in Scripture, God is saying, you guys have no inheritance. The believer must be thinking like, bro, like what's going on? <laughs> what's happening here? I'm, you've chosen me to be your servant, to serve in your tabernacle. You've anointed me, consecrated me. Yet I have the least amongst all my brethren in all the tribes. Ain't that like us so many times? We think, oh, because we're holy, we're saved, we're righteous, we ought to be blessed. And then we see others who are getting their inheritance, getting their portion. And we're still living on food stamps and living from paycheck to paycheck. And we're like, God, where's mine? Come on now. Where where are you? I'm a Levite. I'm anointed. Where's the portion? Where's my share? Oh, you get no share. But I'm the first, you calling me the firstborn. The firstborn gets double. Oh, you get nothing. No, no. You have to live on the charity of everyone else. The handouts. So you can understand why the Levite might have a little bit of an attitude. Now, with that background, I want us to turn back to Psalm 73. I said all that to say this. The writer of Psalm 73, his name is Asaph. He's a Levite. He is a Levite, and he was appointed by King David himself to serve in the tabernacle before the Ark of the Covenant. He is a skilled musician and poet and prophet, and he is over the choir, over the singers in the tabernacle. He is actually given the title of chief amongst all the singers that are there. And with that background, let us now read Psalm 73 with that understanding. Actually, before I go to Psalm 73, go to 1 Chronicles 16, 4. 1 Chronicles 16, 4. David has just brought the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. And he is now giving people positions in the tabernacle. And it says here, And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord, and to record, and to thank, the praise, thank and praise the Lord of God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and next to him is Zechariah, Jael, and Sheremoth, and Jehiel, and Matt, Mattathiah, and Eliab, and Benahiah, and Obed-Edom, and Jael, with psalters with hearts. But Asaph made a sound with symbols. Benaniah also, and Jehaziel, the priest of trumpets, continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Now go to Psalm 73. This, this time we're going to start at verse 1. And we're going to go through the entire psalm. Now with that background about the Levite and how he has no inheritance. He has no portion. Asaph, if you look at your Bible, and you look at Psalm 73, right in the title of Psalm 73, you'll see a psalm of Asaph so Asaph is a Levite he has no inheritance he has no portion now look what Asaph is saying here Psalm 73 verse 1 truly God is good to Israel so he starts off all nice, like most of us do oh thank you oh the Lord's good I'm blessed and highly favored truly God is good to Israel even to such as of a clean heart that you know that our testimony start off that way I thank the Lord who's the head of my life and I broke my toe and my car broke down and my husband left me and also starts going to this long rant of complaints. It's like, is this a testimony? Or is this a prayer request? Right? Look at my brother Asaph is saying here. He said, <laughs> truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Oh yeah, God is good, but I'm struggling. I'm almost about to leave the church because I'm going through some serious drama here. Now look what he says in verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So look at this. I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm a Levite. I serve right before the very Ark of the Covenant. I have no inheritance. And I see this idiot over here dabbing in sin and he's over there getting rich and dying trying. Or maybe not even dying trying. He's getting his Escalade and he's getting his mansion. He's prospering. The wicked are prospering. And I'm holding righteous. And I'm sitting up here in church. I could be asleep. The plane is starting to get a little acceleration. Just... He said, I was envious at the prosperity of the wicked. You at work and you busting your butt over, you're hustling. And that low down cheapskate, he gets the promotion. God, what is going on here? Starting to get a little more speed. Esau speaks about, or Asaph uh, speaks about how he almost fell away from God when he saw how wicked people are prospering. Wicked people have an inheritance, evil people have a share, but the righteous get nothing. Verse number four for there are no bands in their death. They, they, they die peaceful deaths if they even die at all, but their strength is firm. They don't get sick, they're fit, they got a six pack got a peloton bike and everything and they have time the hair looks good skin is nice complexion y'all know what i'm talking about oh here comes sister so-and-so with her, with her hat on and brother oh that i see that brother there with the suit oh i see him i see you but i know what you do when you leave this church and yet you still blessed what's going on with that just keeping it real i want to get in your business today Verse 5, they are not in trouble as other men, neither they plague like other men. They don't have problems like us real folk do. The wicked, they got it all. Verse 6, therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. They've got everything. Huh. Look at her. Got that husband. I should have that husband. Look at him. Got that girl. I should have a wife. I should have her. I should have that car. I should have this. They have more than they're not. They're just making it rain. I'm struggling. I know what it's like to be on food stamps. I know what it's like living on uh, unemployment. I know what it's like. And seeing other people getting promoted and getting new jobs or getting married. I was ASAP about 11 years ago. No, 12 years ago. <laughs> 12 years ago, I had this exact same conversation with God. I'm the man of God. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm preaching. I'm counseling. I'm studying. And everyone else is getting married, getting a house. I'm a 26-year-old man living within his parents, driving a car that breaks down every month, making seven thirty an hour. See, see, he went, ooh, like that. He knows. He knows. And I had, I remember this. (laughs) It was actually, it was August of 2010, this month. I got in my prayer closet and I got mad. I got mad at God because I've been seeking a wife the whole year. I started getting in shape. I lost 20 pounds. I want to look good for my wife. Had a, had a prayer list, was caught up. My, my anointed wife, my blessed wife. And got nothing. Eight months of doing this. And I, God and I had a conversation. I said, you owe me. Hook a brother up. Help a brother out. I was ASAP. Look at God. The very next month, here comes my wife coming into church. Look at God. He won't forget about you. All right. I digress. Now. Remember, he says, Asaph is saying, these jokers, these fat cats, they got more than they could wish. Now, remember, he's a Levite. He can't accumulate wealth. He doesn't have any portion. He has no inheritance. And he's seeing his brothers. And he's seeing the wicked, the ungodly prospering. Verse 8, Psalm 73, verse 8. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of of, of a full cup are wrung out out of them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in, in riches. So these are people that aren't just wicked and wealthy. But they brag about their wickedness. They indulge in their sin. And they've been taught, even challenged God with their lifestyle. And yet they are prospering and moving on with their lives and succeeding. Asaph was upset. Now, verse 13 gets real, okay? This is the question all of us are asking. Verse 13. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocent. In other words, I've been living holy for nothing. What does holiness get me? What does righteousness get me? Don't get me no man, that's for sure. I can't go to the club, that's for sure. I can't get no house with this. The mortgage company doesn't take holiness as collateral. He's like, I've done this for nothing. I'm up in this tabernacle. I'm the choir director. I'm the chief and I got nothing I'm upset I'm mad about this situation verse 14 for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning all day long I got these wicked folk taunting me about their success oh you want this don't you but you ain't getting nothing you've got no inheritance you holy roller you person that's being whole and righteous you can't go to the club you can't do all this stuff that we can do and we can do it and get away with it we can drop it like it's hot, and we can move all over the place. We can do whatever we want to do. Whatever we want to do. Can you see? Can you hear the, the envy, the hurt that's within Asaph? Am I living a holy life for nothing? I restrained myself from sin, but to what end? All the wicked prosper in their evil while the righteous struggle in holiness. So many of us are the same way that we, we wonder what is the point of living a godly, sacrificial lifestyle when the wicked receive all that they wish. Now, look at verse 15. If I say I will, now this is so real. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He's saying, I can't say this out loud. I should be saying this out loud because people brand me a traitor because I'm speaking almost blasphemous to God. Like, God, why, why am I even doing this? He said, I, I could make myself a traitor by saying this. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. When I try to understand how that dude over there is getting it and I ain't getting nothing, that bugs me. It's too, it hurts too much. The tears I've cried, the fasting and the praying and the studying I have done, the holy life I have lived and this person is prospering me and they're doing whatever they want. This hurts too much to try and fathom and comprehend this. Asaph says, "I'm not trying to understand the prosperity of the wicked. It hurts too much. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Now here at this juncture, Asaph starts to realize that I've been focusing on the wrong thing. I've been looking for love in all the wrong places. Right? I've been focused on what I don't have as opposed to what I have. And he said, I was really upset. I was bitter and angry about this whole situation. But then I came to the house of the Lord and I understood their end. There are two things that Asaph realizes. The first is that the pleasures of sin are only for a season and that the riotous living always ends in destruction. That delay does not mean denial. Don't worry, justice is going to find you. God's judgment is going to find you. I believe it says in Galatians chapter 6 verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. When I understood the holiness and the righteousness of God, that God is not going to let people just get off. That destruction and judgment awaits the wicked and those who will not repent and turn their hearts fully unto God. He realized that I'm envying nothing. Why am I envying this? They're on a highway to hell. And I want to get in the fast lane with them. What is wrong with me? What? Oh, with the planes getting more acceleration, we're about to go somewhere today. You just wait. Verse 18. Get verse 18 on the screen. Now look at this. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou cast them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terror. As I'm talking about the wicked now. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Now look what he says here in verse 21. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. The word there for grieve is the Hebrew word kamets? It means, it can be translated leaven. Cruel, died, ruthless, bitter. Asab was saying, my heart was ruthless because of my bitterness of the fact I could not get the inheritance. He said, my heart was dyed. It was jaded as if someone had discolored what it's supposed to look like. It was a blackened ash. It was cruel and ruthless because I was so filled with hatred and envy at the wicked prospering and then getting an inheritance and I get nothing. But then, look what he says here in verse 22. He says, so foolish was I. And ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And after receive me to glory. Whom, now, who have I in heaven but thee? I want you to understand something. The Levite didn't have really anybody else, okay? They, all, they didn't really have someone to sustain them other than the other tribes of Israel. He's like, I got nobody else. If these people don't give me this offering, this tithe, I'm going to starve to death. I got nobody else. Who in heaven... Have I but thee, and there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The Hebrew word there for flesh is shear. It it can also mean your body, but it can also mean your kinsmen. He says, even when my brothers, they fail. Even though my body has no longer any strength in it. And even though my heart has no more will to carry on. God, you are my strength. God, you are my portion. I must recognize... That I have no inheritance. That's true. I do not want to inherit the pleasures of sin because the Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I've got no inheritance in the club. I've got no inheritance in sin. My God is my portion. God is my inheritance. God is what I need. God will supply what I require. God will open the doors for what I need to go into. Asaph is saying, I don't have a share or a portion in this world. I have nothing else to depend on but God himself. And when you really think about it, this is the second thing that Asaph realized when he went into the sanctuary. The second thing that Asaph realized when he went in there is that he had an inheritance that was greater than anything else. Remember I said that Asaph, that was a Levite, and God had called Levite, uh, the Levite the firstborn, which means that the firstborn is upon to get the double portion. of, But in the world, that the Levite got no portion at all. But instead, the Levite got a double portion of the giver in Christ Jesus in God. Because the Levite got to go into the sanctuary. You have to understand something. That the Levite could do what no one else could do. The Levite could touch the Ark of the Covenant. Could handle the presence of God. The Levite could see the very presence of God. The other tribes could not go past the outer court of the tabernacle. Only the the Levite could go into the house of the Lord and see the majesty the splendor and the beauty and the goodness of God only the Levite could worship God only the Levite could offer the sacrifice of praise unto God don't you realize Christian don't you realize believer the inheritance that you have no you can't dance in the world but you can dance in here no you can't get drunk but you can get drunk in the spirit no you can't eat the things that they eat but you can feed on the word of God You've got an inheritance. You can do what the world cannot do. I've got an inheritance that allows me to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I've got an inheritance that allows me to experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've got an inheritance to have a peace in the midst of the storm. When all hell is breaking loose and the floods are coming against me, I can stand strong because I've got a portion in God. The Lord is my portioner. The Lord is my sustainer. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my desire. When everyone else is going crazy and about to kill their fool selves, God is sustaining me. The rivers and the floods don't sweep me away because God is my refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. they can't do that. The world can't speak in another language as the spirit gives them utterance. The world cannot experience the grace that is sufficient and the strength that's made perfect in weakness. The world cannot experience the peace that passes all understanding. The world cannot experience joy unspeakable and full of glory. You've got an inheritance. You've got a portion in God. And God is trying to tell you, today is collection day. Today is the day you receive your inheritance. A, the devil is a liar. I'm gonna get all that God has for me. I'm gonna get all that God has for me. I've been by hook or by crook. If I've got a wrestling, let's get in the wrestling ring, baby, because I'm getting what God has for me. I'm getting this shout on, I'm getting this praise on, I'm getting my worship on, I'm getting the name of Jesus come on somebody the Lord is my portion I told you the plane was getting ready to take off it's time to go to cruising altitude it's time to get into heavenlies and receive all that God has had for me you're the firstborn you've got a double portion in God it's time to collect it's time to receive the Lord is my portion come on somebody lift up your hands all across this congregation and worship and praise God up in here Claim your portion in God. Stop looking to the world. You've got no part in them. Because if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. You don't belong to that anymore. You belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, Asaph. Stop looking at the le- uh, the other tribes. Stop looking at the ungodly. Look at the ark of the covenant. Look at the glory of God. <laughs> Psalms 84 verse 10 says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Don't you understand God has a portion for you? That the Bible says that daily he loadeth us with benefits. The Bible said in Psalm 3 verse 1 that I will bless the Lord. How will bless the Lord all my soul and all that's within me bless his holy name? Bless the Lord all oh my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thy iniquities who healeth all of thy diseases today is inheritance day it's time to claim your inheritance you have been bitter, you have cried yourself to sleep, but the Bible says that they that sow in tears shall reap in joy weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning it's time for to collect your portion in God God has it for you today Now, in order to receive the portion, you've got to make God your portion. You've got to claim God as being your number one. God is not a side chick. He's not a side hustle. He's the number one. And God is looking for you to make him your number one. And when you do, you will experience a peace that passes all understanding something that is eternal something that cannot be stripped away from you by calamity or by atrocities or by natural disasters because your treasure is in heaven but you've got to claim him as your portion is the Lord your portion today? Hmm. I told you about the firstborn the firstborn were often disinherited Probably the most famous, which you don't even think about, is Adam. He was the first man, and he lost his inheritance. Who got it? The last Adam got it. Jesus. He's technically called the last Adam, or the second Adam, the younger. But you know, Jesus, he started a new family. And when this family started, he was given a new title. Look at it says here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. The word first begotten can also be translated the firstborn. Jesus is a new generation because he's the first person to come back to life and never die again. And the Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8 verse 16 that the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ it so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the Glory which shall be revealed in us, that you have to understand that Jesus Christ is called the firstborn of the dead, the first begotten. He's the firstborn, and then the Bible says that we are heirs with Christ, joint heirs with Christ. When you're a joint heir, that means whatever my brother gets, I get the same portion. So that means if Jesus he rose from the grave in all power never to die again, if I'm a joint heir with him, I'm going to do the same. If I suffer with him, if I'm willing to go through hell and high water with him that despite the rocks and the stones being thrown at me I'm holding on to God's unchanging hand that despite the trouble and tribulation that comes my way Jesus I'm sticking with you because you're my portion I've got nothing else to whom else will I go you've got the words of everlasting life I've got nothing else but you Jesus I'm going to stick with you and if you suffer with God and you be not weary and well doing because you're going to reap in due season the Bible says that as a joy heir. That you're gonna receive glory. That when Christ on that one, that great getting up morning and he calls who is faithful to come up here, that we're gonna raise with him and be glorified together. If Jesus is your portion. Alright, I'm quitting. Is the Lord your portion? Then show me that he's your portion. Why don't you receive, take, take the benefits, uh, receive the benefits of being a child of God. We've got something better than what the world has to offer. Better than any medical care, uh, medical care any health benefits. The Lord is my Jehovah Rapha. He's my healer. He's the great physician. Uh, he's got a great health care policy. I don't need my job necessarily to provide me insurance. I got some blessed assurance in Jesus Christ. Uh, don't you understand? You've got some benefits in God that you need to take care of. Offer you this opportunity to make the Lord your portion. If you've not made Christ your Savior, made Him Lord in your life, truly devoted yourself to Him and say, Lord, you are my portion. I neglect, I negate, I forsake, I abandon, I reject the inheritance that the devil is trying to offer me, the portion. I don't need the drugs, I don't need the sex, I don't need the women, I don't need the alcohol, I don't need any of that stuff. I don't need the money, the clothes, the cars, or the houses, I just need Jesus. Silver and gold, silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus more than silver and gold. These altars are open. Today is collection day. Today is the day. ...to receive your inheritance. Don't become like Asaph and become bitter... ...and looking at the prosperity of the wicked... ...and think that that's all there is. No, there is a blessing in God. There's a blessing in Jehovah... ...that if you just believe and reach out in faith... You can receive. You can receive your portion. God has afforded unto you healing in your body. He has afforded you peace in your spirit. And most importantly, He has afforded unto you salvation of your soul, the forgiveness of your sins, if you would simply make the Lord your portion. These altars are open today. I want to pray with you that to help you receive, to receive your portion in God. Hallelujah. Right now, all over this house, why don't we just worship the Lord and thank him for what he has for us? We don't need to be jealous. We don't need to be envious of the world. We've got something better. We've got something greater in Jesus Christ. He is our portion. When my flesh fails, my strength fails, my heart fails, the Lord is my strength. The Lord is my portion. The Lord is my portion forever. Come, come, come. Come and receive your portion in Christ. Come and receive Jesus Come and receive Christ in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's it. Come on. All over this house, begin to worship him in Jesus' name.